0: G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter podcast on this Friday, the 10th of March, 2023. Darren Mitchell here, host of the show, and I trust you are finishing the week off extremely, extremely strongly and are looking forward to needing a very restful weekend here in Victoria and I think in a lot of states in Australia, actually, this weekend is a long weekend. So for some, it's an extra day off. Uh, for others, it's like, oh my God, that's one less day in March, I've got as a selling day. So uh, hopefully, your team is at a, in a position right now where you don't have to worry about taking a day off because you're uh, you're in a very, very strong position. So as we finish off the week, I uh, haven't recorded a podcast since Monday. Despite my very best intentions, it's just been a very, very busy week running workshops, including a workshop with uh, the Northern Hemisphere, uh, the finishing like at 11 o'clock at night, Melbourne time. So uh just a little bit tired and uh, not having the opportunity, unfortunately, to record many podcasts this week, but uh, I will get back on the horse, as they say in the classic. So in today's episode, I just wanted to talk about a topic which I think most leaders, and especially sales leaders, need to, I think, put more conscious focus on, and that is our emotional intelligence muscle. Now, when it it comes to EQ, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of uh, people out there that don't necessarily still, to this day, enough emphasis on the importance of emotional intelligence, but thankfully, more and more organizations are now looking at their leaders, but also looking at potential leaders, but also high-quality individuals to bring into their organization. They're looking a lot more at the non-IQ or non-intelligence or non-just performance metrics and looking a lot more at their cognitive abilities and what level of emotional intelligence do they have. So are they good people? Are they of good character? Can they perform under pressure? Can they remain calm when the winds of adversity start to blow through? And a lot of organizations are looking for these type of people because particularly in 2023, and I'm sure it's only going to get more and more uncertain as we move forward, we need to have leaders who can weather those storms and lead their teams through any adversity in a more calmer way. Because at the end of the day, whether you are running a sales team, an operations team, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a director of a a business unit within your organization, what your team are looking for above all else, is a thing called direction, but a thing called certainty that comes with that direction. And as leaders, if we are completely uncertain, and if we are unstable from an emotional point of view, just think about the impression that creates within the team, which will no doubt very, very quickly end up uh, revealing itself on the bottom line of the numbers. And I say this all the time, that your team is a reflection of you. So as a leader, we need to be very, very conscious of the impressions we are creating, and therefore be very conscious also of the thought patterns we have and the levels of intelligence around our emotions that we are we are looking after. So in today's episode, I just want to touch on that because there's been a few uh, conversations this week and a few workshops where EQ has been a bit of a theme. And I always start the conversation with the groups and ask them the question, well, what is emotional intelligence and how do you define it? And there's lots and lots of different definitions out there. And one of the best definitions I've come across, though, is from a guy called Dr. Mark Brackett who has written? done a lot of study, done a lot of research, and written a book called Permission to Feel. And what he talks about is emotional intelligence is your ability to, first of all, recognize emotions, and then, based on that recognition, be able to regulate your emotions. And there's lots of other definitions, and some of those definitions include being able to manage your own emotions, but also manage the emotions of other people, which I don't necessarily agree with, because at the end of the day, you can't manage the emotions of others. They are the only ones that can manage that. All we can do is manage I guess, our responses to the behaviors that other people put in place, which is obviously based on their emotions that they feel at that particular time. So being able to recognize and then regulate those emotions is a very, very important skill. And the great thing about the work that Dr. Mark Brackett's actually doing is he's, he's putting this into school. So you've got kids that are five, six, seven years of age that are starting to learn more about emotional intelligence. And the great thing about this is they're starting to be able to recognize and articulate a specific emotion. Now, when you ask most adults, and I've done this this week in workshops, what you feel and how you feel, what is your normal response? And most people come back with, "Oh, I'm good, not bad, could be better." Very rarely do they use very expressive words. And Dr. Mark Brackett has determined that there's over sixteen thousand words in the English language alone. That can be used to describe an emotion. And yet most of us as adults we use the good, not bad, fine, etc. etc. So we can get this into school kids, if we can get this into the next generation, then if we can get some very emotionally intelligent children starting to grow up, they'll grow into very emotionally intelligent adults in the most in most cases, which only puts the future of the uh, of our communities and the future of, of business, etc in very, very good hands. Now, we can't wait necessarily for generations, so we need to actually start taking more of this on ourselves as leaders, and particularly within the sales realm, we can no longer just rely on being smart or having a record of performance because more companies are now looking for how intelligent are you? Do you have the ability to think outside the square? Do you have the ability to think on your feet? And what are some of the things we need to be looking for when it comes to an emotionally intelligent sales leader? And so uh, there's four key areas around, uh, around this that I want to talk about today, and one particular area that I want to delve into in a little bit of detail. And, and this work comes from a guy called uh, Daniel Goleman, who is an author and psychologist. He's written a book, Emotional Intelligence, very, very good book. Uh, Sometimes hard to read, you've got to read it a few times to really get it, but what he believes and what he talks about in his research is outstanding leadership and exceptional leadership requires a combination of two things, one being self-mastery and the other being social intelligence, which has two competency areas. One is perception and the other thing is skills. So there are four categories that he talks about in round emotional intelligence, that is self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So I ask this question all the time, and I'll get you to think about this for yourself as well. From a self-awareness point of view, how self-aware are you? What's your level of self-confidence? Are you aware of your emotional state? So for example, when you woke up this morning, before your feet even touched the floor, were you aware of your emotional state, and were you able to articulate or label that? And that's a very important point, because many people wake up, whether it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or on the weekend... And they feel what they feel, but they don't necessarily articulate it or describe it. They just go with that particular feeling. And often, the actions come from those feelings, and the results, therefore, come from those actions. And sometimes, there are results that we don't want, and it often comes back to how we how we felt when we woke up and what our emotional state was. So self-awareness is a really important trait, particularly for leaders. And I say this all the time, that you're, you're always creating first impressions, so be really conscious of how you're feeling and what your emotions are at that particular moment, and Based on that emotion, always think about, well, how is this behavior going to play out and how do I recognize how my behavior is going to impact others every single day? So self-awareness is the first key pillar or first key category of EQ. The second one is self-management. So thinking about, okay, first of all, you've got to recognize those emotions. How can I now regulate that? So how well do we get on with other people? Do I have the capacity to be able to control my emotions Do I consistently demonstrate integrity with everything that I do? Do I also have some flexibility that I can adapt based on the environment and not get, I guess, overrun by the emotions that I'm feeling and then become more reactive versus choosing our responses? And can I maintain, despite everything that's happening around me, can I maintain a level of optimism over a longer period of time? So this is all about self-management. So really regulating those emotions and making sure you're being more conscious and more intentional on the actions that you're taking the behaviors you're demonstrating. The third one is social awareness, and this is a big one. I think a lot of leaders in particular have a lot of work to do, general statement I know, in this particular area because there are a lot of, uh, I would would say socially uh, awkward or socially inept, and I say that respectfully, leaders out there who simply don't have the capacity or the ability to read the play. And it's really sad because they're missing out on opportunities and they're missing all the cues that uh, more intelligent leaders can find and use to their advantage. So how well in a social environment, and it doesn't have to be social per se, this could also be a business environment, but when you've got people around you, how well can you read the big picture? Do you have the capacity to look at a situation, to be in a particular situation, and listen to what's being said, but also read between the lines and understand the messaging that perhaps is not being said? So understanding the difference between the two, and a lot of that comes from being able to read people, being able to read body language, and listening for things like tonality in people's voices, because if you're not socially aware, uh, you might take things very literally, and it means you might be missing out a lot of a lot of stuff. And, and from a social awareness point of view, this is an area that a lot of sales leaders need a lot of work on. So if we can work on this and build this particular muscle around social awareness, some amazing things will happen, because what you'll notice is, if you can become more aware in the environments that you're operating in, And then if you can actually self-regulate and self-manage a little bit better and be more self-aware, some amazing things happen. And And the final one, therefore, leads into that being relationship management. So how well do you facilitate conversations? How well can you develop others and cultivate relationships? How well do you influence other people? And are you a really good collaborator or are you a lone wolf? And one of the things we spoke about this week in one of the workshops was as a leader, thinking about relationship management, and it's one thing to be self-aware, it's another thing to be aware of how that plays out in terms of your actions and also read the play. We've also got to think about, well, as a leader, my fundamental role is to also influence, influence others, influence people in my team, influence upwards, influence customers, and it is a skill, influencing is a skill which is a mix of assertiveness, interpersonal skills, but also the ability to interact with others and of different personality types. Which underpins this ability to manage relationships to get results. So when we're talking about relationship management and think about this for yourself, how assertive are you? And a lot of it will depend on what your natural communication style is, whether you're more of a an assertive type person, a forthright type person who's more than happy to have that robust conversation, or whether you have to sit back and think about things first and be very, very prescriptive with what you say, that will often determine how assertive you potentially can be and how well you build relationships. So The assertive part comes about in terms of, are you able to state an opinion or a position and do it with a level of conviction? Do you also have the capacity to be persistent despite any resistance that you might get, which means you've got to be really, really clear on what the message is, what the outcome is, and what your intention is, so that you can weather the storm? Because there will be people, if you haven't already realized, there'll be people that don't agree with you, and there'll be people that like to argue, sometimes just for argument Sake. So, if you're not really clear on what, what you stand for and why you're doing this and why you're having this conversation, it's going to be very difficult for you to persist. Another key element of assertiveness, of course, is behaving with a level of self confidence. So, I spoke to a number of leaders this week who were probably struggling and they put their hand up. We're, um, you know, kudos to them that say, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with my self confidence. I'm not quite sure, particularly when it comes to dealing with more senior leaders. I kind of get really red, and I mumble my words, or I, I don't know what to say, and, and I think about what the word is to say, but then there's this massive gap between my thinking and my words, so there's this there's this awkward pause, and I just don't have a level of confidence, and I said, well, the, the only way to do that is to persist, to come back to what your actual message is, break it down into simple simple terms, not get caught up in the fact that this person is higher up in the hierarchy, or they might have more experience than you just start working on having a little bit more self-confidence in yourself and believing in your message and having faith in your judgment and knowing that, you know what, it's okay, I'm good enough, I belong here and I've got good enough abilities and it's my right to actually have a say because I've got something worthwhile to talk about. And then the biggest thing around assertiveness, of course, is the fact that about 55% of our communication comes through our body language or our physiology. Being able to use that body language in an assertive way because that will often just accentuate the message you're trying to give, and in many cases, make their message a lot more impactful. So that's the first part of a relationship management, being really assertive. The second part is having interpersonal skills, and this is about being friendly and how sociable are you with strangers? Can you walk into a room of people who you don't know, and can you be sociable from up front, can you be proactive? Can you extend a hand of friendship and greet them first, or do you wait for them to speak to you how 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 can you show a genuine interest in others and do you show a genuine interest in others? Can you have insight and provide insights into what others are valuing based on the conversations you 're having, but also be sensitive to other people 's feelings? being able to read the play, which is a combination back to what we talked about before in terms of social awareness? Do you have that level of sensitivity and are you able to build rapport really quickly? with anybody and therefore build a level of trust so that uh, they want to share more with you. Because I often say to leaders that if you have conversations with people and they end up having a conversation with you and sharing information that at the end of the conversation, they turn around and say, you know what, I've never shared that with anybody else. It is a mark of respect first and foremost, but it's also an indication that you've created an environment where they feel very, very comfortable sharing sometimes really personal and often very confidential information with you because of your interpersonal skills and how you make that person feel. So as a relationship manager, and certainly as an exceptional leader, we need to build those interpersonal skills really, really strongly. And then the final part of relationship management is not everything is going to go according to plan. So we have to have some really good, strong interaction skills, which means when there is conflict, when there are disagreements, which there often will be, Do you have the capacity to be able to resolve those? And that is not necessarily giving the answer, but maybe mediating. Are you able to build consensus among those who disagree? Are you able to get people back on the same page? Are you able to encourage people to maybe see different perspectives? And can you therefore negotiate and start to bargain an agreement? Do you also have a willingness to set your ego to the side and actually make it all about the people that you're having a conversation with and have a willingness to ask others for favors, but also have a willingness to do favors for others. So it's all about your interaction skills. So for the relationship management, which is the fourth pillar of emotional intelligence, how interactive you are, how can you resolve those conflicts and really get involved as a great mediator? What's your interpersonal skills like? Do you have that insight? Can you be build rapport really quickly and build that level of trust? But also how assertive are you in that conversation as well? So doing those three things under relationship management, will really help you build your emotional intelligence muscle. And just think for a second that if you're doing all of that, just imagine how it's gonna play out in your team. Because again, one of the key, th- key things around being a great leader is identifying likely successes and starting to pour into them. So if you become a really highly intelligent, highly emotionally intelligent leader, Very quickly, you're going to start to see some of those attributes play out in your team and you can now sit back, not necessarily sit back and rest easy, but sit back with a satisfaction that, you know what, I've got this team in a really good position and the future of this particular team, the future of this business, and maybe even the future of this industry is in very, very good hands because we've got some quality people who are ready to take the reins when I'm ready to move on to something else. So as we wrap up the week, just wanted to share a few thoughts on that. Hopefully, that makes sense. Hopefully, that resonates and hopefully, it finds you just at the right moment, and is of value to you. And if you've got any questions on this, or you've got any questions at all about sales leadership or sales that you'd like to ask a question, um, I'm going to start recording some podcasts based on questions that I get asked. So please feel free to send me an email, Darren at darrenmitchell.com.au, or of course you can shoot uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn, and uh, I'll be sure to include your question and also give you a shout out. On the podcast, And of course, if you're ready to work together, if you're intent on becoming an exceptional sales leader and you like some assistance in fast-tracking that development, love to have a conversation about potentially working with you, simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation, and get starting to work together as early as next week. So very much look forward to that conversation. As always, thank you for plugging into the podcast and look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best